Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business, but without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Paddy Mann. Morning, Paddy. Good morning. Morning. So there's nothing more frustrating than seeing the same mistakes happening again and again. Rather than moving forward each day, you find yourself stuck on a treadmill. It holds back business growth, but that's only one part of the problem. Because when your team experiences this, it can cause so much pain and frustration at every level of your business. Today, we're going to look into how this feels for a business and the stress that it causes. We'll then take a look at the solution and how you can put an end to the Groundhog Day experience of the same issues coming up again and again. So, Paddy, let's start with some examples to bring this to life. Um, what kind of mistakes might be happening and how does it feel? Cool. So I'll, I'll, I'll go in a few different areas of the business to kind of, um, one, to give a different examples to different people listening, but two, because I think there might be some kind of common traits here. Um, so I'll start with engineering because it's an area I'm in and it's an area where I, I had a, a big issue uh, many years ago when we were just starting to work out how to, to solve some of these these problems and it was with uh, code doing code reviews and I'd be reviewing the uh, solution that one of my colleagues had developed and I'd be seeing this, what felt like the same mistakes coming up again and again and again and it meant that these reviews were taking hours and hours and hours they're eating up into my evenings uh, and that that sucked and then so if I look at the types of mistakes that are happening, I mean, part, part of the, the challenge here in this area was there's actually quite a few different things that you're looking for in the code. It needs to be well architected, the kind of way it's structured at a high level. It needs to have uh, clean code. So the individual lines of code need to be well written so it's easy for other people to, to look at. It needs to be secure. And even just within security, there's a load of different concerns you need to be thinking of. It needs to be performant. And there's various other bits. And so... They were the same types of mistake happening, no, not necessarily the same specific mistake which happened every single time, um, but it was the, sa the same kind of things where I'd felt like I'd given guidance on that area or felt that they should know better, and it was coming up again and again, and I'm going, what the hell's going on? Uh, this is what I'm paying you to do. Why am I having to spend all this time? I'll go to another area of the business. So in um, marketing, it's an area where we're uh, currently focusing and I'm currently uh, leading up. And we're trying to have the team help us out with social media posts. Uh, and in this case, we've got team members. Um, some of them don't have a marketing background and so on. So there's quite a, uh, a large growth in uh, skills. Um, but I think they have got the, the, the capability to do a great job here. And in fact, that's been demonstrated that they're, they're very capable. But we're having... Uh, issues that I was seeing when I, you know, I would write out a post and I'd go, oh, this this looks fine, uh, and then was trying to delegate that task and was seeing what felt like the same types of issue come up again and again and again. And at a high level, you just go, what's going on? Why can't they write a social media post? But actually, in, in the same way as the code, there's quite a number of intricacies. It's the the first line of your social media post is incredibly important. It's the hook. It, it's what gets everyone else to read it. So sometimes it would be that there'll be a weak hook. I'd look at it and go, well, I'm not going to read this uh, post because of that first line. Sometimes it would be that it wasn't substantial enough or it was going slightly off brand or there wasn't a clear call to action or whatever. And so you can see in the same way as the code, you've got this kind of task, which at a high level, it might sound quite simple or something that you 
uh, expect them to be able to do. But when you look into it, there's actually a number of little bits and they might do one of those bits really well, having got feedback last time, but some of the other parts of the equation start to get dropped. And so from um, my side, it's kind of going, why can't we just get consistent results? Why do I always feel like I need to do these reviews? And why are they repeating some of the mistakes that I gave feedback on maybe three or four times ago? At this point, I feel like I'm on that treadmill. I'm um, uh, just... Yeah, going round and round and round, incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and I, and I love that you've shared examples there, which arguably are mistakes in relative in relative creative processes, right? You know, we're talking about um, copywriting, right? Social writing, social media posts, and coming up with the titles and so on, or or in the programming uh, area and engineering, writing code and and doing high value work, um, which is interesting because I think sometimes when we talk about preventing mistakes we often talk about um, more sort of formulaic, sy uh, systematic, um, uh, perhaps complex things that need to get done or things that you need to remember. Whereas, you know, you're talking about uh, mistakes that are uh, made in a more creative area. I mean, uh, mistakes that I have tended to get frustrated by, uh, perhaps in the, let's say the sales area, would be um, where salespeople perhaps forget to record a call and therefore if there's an issue or there's an opportunity for coaching, there's no way to uh, to, to then you know recreate that recording that they forgot to do um, or forgot to ask a particular question. So when they come, you know, a salesperson says, oh, um, you know, I need to give a pricing quote for this person. They're really, really keen, but I need to, and I need to get to the uh, back to them by the end of the day and I ask a few basic questions and ah, I didn't ask how many people or I didn't ask this or whatever. You know, like, oh, no, like that needs to be in that sales conversation. And it feels so frustrating when you just like, ah, oh, like, oh, like, particularly when it feels like, oh, that should have been obvious or, oh, I've told you that before. It feels frustrating from their side. Of course, it just feels like, well, I, I didn't know or I forgot and I'm sorry <laughs> and so on. So it's it's really painful. Another, you know, other areas like in, in finance where getting the right account coding create can create, um, uh, can either give you great visibility in your accounts or can create massive uh, um, uh, confusion later on when you're trying to get to grips with your P&L but things have been miscoded so as a result it's not really representative of what's going on and you don't really under have a good understanding or you have to spend a load of time doing it and so sometimes you don't even notice the mistake until a lot longer um, and so that can that can be really painful too. So we've talked about some of the, the examples there and, and how they feel like What's the the stress that this causes? When when does this really start to to grate and hit the fan? Uh, we've talked about like in the moment how it feels, but what's the kind of stress and how does that build up? <laughs> yeah, so it's certainly something that can build and can be seen on on so many so many levels. And it, it is not an experience experienced by one person. It's not the business owner looking down and going, "I'm feeling stressed," and everyone else is uh, just you know feeling a little bit, "Oh, that didn't go to plan." No, everyone's feeling that that pain. So you've got uh, the person who's um, making the mistakes, who you often feel, almost forget about their feelings, but they can sense that they're making mistakes. They're feeling anxious uh, and under-supported and often like they're being micromanaged. They appreciate that they're making mistakes, but they feel that they are capable. And most most cases, they certainly are capable of doing much more, um, but they haven't got that support and that they're... Um, being treated in a, uh, a 
kind of a more junior way than they, they, they should be, than they could be. And they feel frustrated. They feel frustrated with the role, with the business, with individuals. You've got the manager who's then uh, feeling stressed because they are having to take a lot of time out to support the individual to fix mistakes. They're feeling frustrated that they've got uh, someone they've hired to solve a problem isn't solving it to the quality that they want, that it's holding them and their team back from getting the results that they want. And again, you've got this frustration, which in an ideal world is a frustration about the process and something you can fix, but often is actually a frustration at individuals and people for not being able to uh, work around the lack of process and, and get the results that you, you're dreaming of. And then... It, you know, that, that, that's still just in the moment. It's the way that it blows up and all the things that can fall out from there. So with the, uh, the engineers doing, software engineers doing coding, that mistake might be caught and might be a frustrated few hours of delay, or it might be something that doesn't get discovered until it's actually out there in your production website or application and a customer experiences it. And suddenly you've got multiple teams and customers feeling pain and potentially lost business and anything like that. The example you just gave there of not asking uh, how many, uh, if you're on a sales call and you've not asked how, how many people you're selling to or missed any of those steps, it can so easily be a lost lead because either you're not you're not taking it to the right place or coming back to them, you, you suddenly expose that you're not quite so professional. Uh, it, and, and, and sometimes as a uh, manager, as a business owner, it's very obvious that that's a lead that you know you would have converted and so it's got a really real immediate impact on your uh, on your bottom line which you will feel the team member will become acutely aware of and feel anxious about um yeah it causes so 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 much pain and then some of the ones that we've talked about so far are the um your kind of your day-to-day -day tasks and but it's it affects every of your business if you haven't got a way of solving this um thinking about a um something that w we had is from time to time you have a kind of a major incident in your business and so you've got something where the shit really hits the the fan uh maybe you discovered that your website has been uh screwing data in, a, in the wrong way and it's causing a real problem for your customers or there's a data leak and it has nothing to do with you but it's to do with uh, one of the tools that you're using and suddenly you've got to manage this and when you start to see mistakes here and people aren't making you aware of who needs to fix it and you're not reaching out to customers it can cause it can just take something which should have been small and self-contained and blow it up hugely and it can and we've seen it derail the whole team for weeks or months or more and it's the huge pain of just slowing down but it's the morale it's such a drain on the team when you when you feel like you're kind of stuck in the mud individually as a team as a business yeah, I, I think that's, you put that so well, and it, but it and it reminds me of um, of various examples, uh, both within our company and with our clients, where, as you say, like the uh, the impact is multifaceted. It, it impacts the business, it impacts the individuals, it impacts the leaders, um, and often I think that uh, as leaders we fail to put um, a, a, enough of a clear value on the impact of these mistakes. I think individual mistakes can easily be worth thousands of pounds, right? Like um, 
an individual customer where you didn't ask the information and as a result they become a lost lead is likely to cost you thousands of pounds. A, uh, an experience for a client where the onboarding process didn't go very well and as a result they're less likely to be retained costs you thousands of pounds. Uh, an example that um, we had in our, our own business where um, there were certain HR processes that weren't followed uh, or, or didn't happen and as a result we had a load of people needing to take holiday at the same time and that easily costs us thousands of pounds. And what's interesting is it's like each one of those costs a lot of money. And in fact, uh, we've, there's various businesses that we've, uh, we've worked with where, uh, again, like, you know, even someone being away um, uh, and uh, then someone else tries to take over the process, they make a mistake. And, uh, and as a result, costs uh, one uh, example in particular that I can't talk about, but like it's over, uh, you're talking many uh, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds, like the, the impact of doing that. But of course, that's individual mistakes. When, when we're talking about mistakes happening over and over, like sales regularly failing to update the CRM and assign um, and uh, put a next activity, and as a result, hot leads are just not followed up, or uh, development mistakes that mean that your website is down on a regular basis, those easily go into the hundreds of thousands, maybe probably even like seven figures, depending on your business size, because when it's systemic, when it's happening again and again, you just like it loses, loses brand loyalty, impacts your conversion rates, everything, like everything in your business is then just hampered by it. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I can even feel a sense of stress even talking about repeated mistakes. So calming. How do we solve this? How do we stop the same mistakes from happening again and again? Yeah, good, good, good question. You know, I, in the in the time we've got available on this podcast, I, you know, we're not going to have all the the detail on how to roll it out. Though, um, certainly other episodes and and some of the other resources, our webinar and so on, will be doing a great job of going de deep into it. But mm. if I keep this at a high level, so you can just kind of go, wait a minute are we doing this thing at a high level? Is it happening? Do we have an issue in that area because it's not working? And the big components, the first one is um, uh, to be um, prioritizing so that you're mm -hmm. not trying to uh, fix everything at once. You can't go from uh, zero to we're going to fix every mistake tomorrow but you should always be feeling that you are prioritizing some of these mistakes, some of these issues and taking the biggest ones and your team, your company, everyone will feel so much better, not for knowing that that little annoyance that happened today uh, got fixed immediately, but for knowing that you are continually to put in improvements in place and that over time you're layering those different improvements one above the other uh, and making, uh, making steady progress, making continuous improvement, they often call it. So prioritizing is a big one. And we need to be putting in solutions which solve those issues once and for all. And we've talked about it a big time. When you're delegating uh, more you know, generally, it doesn't work just to highlight that it occurred, talk to everyone in the room and go, okay, let's never do that again. It, it doesn't get remembered. It uh, doesn't work for the next person coming in the door. It's just it's an incredibly ineffective uh, and incredibly difficult because you can't layer on the different improvements because essentially you you end up with a uh, you know it'd be like a ten minute monologue every time you needed to put another improvement on the uh, on the top it doesn't scale in the same way that documentation um, does for putting processes in in place so you need to be 
finding a solutions that will work and in many cases that's going to need to be having an effective way to document the process but not just to document it not just to put it out there so it's like oh, okay i've written it that's brilliant but to test it, it actually works and actually solves that problem so they've got the document in place and then the the third thing is the ongoing management so it's again it's not about doing this as a once-off activity or it's like i'm feeling pain it's about how do you keep turning the handle to continuously identify issues work out the solution check that they worked and repeat and so it's that that management and uh ideally it's kind of baked into um, a steady meeting rhythm so you're having if you're having team meetings every week that's a great thing that you can bed in directly and you're doing a check to go uh are the processes that we've already written are they being used and followed and being maintained because if if they're not, but then anything else you do in the future, you know, what's the point? Um, and are the ones that we've just tried to fix, have they now worked? Are they being fixed? And what new issues are we are we seeing? So you put these components in, 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 in place. One, a, a way of tackling the issues. Two, a way of kind of documenting and making sure it actually works and testing it. And three, this continuous uh, management and this is how you make steady progress. You, you're starting with the biggest ones and you, you're layering on improvements over time. Yeah, I love that. And it's been instrumental in terms of how, we, um, uh, how we've kind of grown and how we've been able to delegate and hand things to other team members because, uh, you know, one of the things that when I talk to business leaders, one of their biggest either frustrations or worries, uh, reasons for not delegating, is is often because they feel like oh but you know I'm I'm a bit of a control freak I want to make sure it's done right and you know people might not do it to the same quality that I require and my answer is no they definitely won't <laughs> like if you don't provide any guidance or anything or tell them what is important and uh, uh, give them you know checklists and so on so that they can avoid making mistakes they will absolutely make mistakes and of course it's not even giving them the guidance exactly as you say it's testing it it's iteration. Um, but when you do have that in place, it, it's absolutely game changing. And it's, you know, if I think about various areas that um, I was perhaps slower to, to delegate and, and I think appropriately so in our journey um, in the case of finance, where it's one of the highest risk areas, highest leverage areas. Um, and also the size of company that we were, uh, it only made sense to kind of uh, start uh, getting a finance administrator in a little bit later on the journey, uh, although perhaps I could have outsourced some of it sooner. But the, um, it's an area where particularly, you know, we were passionate about making sure that we had really good financials where we could very quickly see what's going on in the organization, that everything's up to date. We don't have to wait three, six, nine months for an accountant to provide our accounts to tell us what's going on in the business. We can see that live. And we had, you know, essentially I was doing processes to make sure that that was the case. I was doing our daily bank reconciliations and our month end and so on. And when I then did hand that over to a finance administrator, as you'd expect, like I documented as best as I could and, and pulled up and stuff in place. But inevitably they, they made uh, some mistakes. But the nice thing was whenever a mistake was made, we just say, okay, where in the process could we include a little check or, or could we make this clearer or whatever? Like, for example, um, there was a particular area where I'd kind of assumed that our chart of accounts was simple enough that someone would be able to select the right one depending on what the expense or the cost was. Turned out that wasn't the case. <laughs> and therefore, we essentially just created a nice little bullet point list of 
Here's what the key accounts that you're most likely to be using most of the time. Here's what they correlate to. If there's one that you need to use outside of this and that none of these are a good fit and you're not, you know, and it's not obvious, then, you know, check, uh, check with the head of finance or check with the uh, business owners or whatever. And of course, over time, we've just increased that list slightly. So now that doesn't happen. I can't remember the last time when we had to either create a new account code or, or someone had to check. And I think that's an example where it had to iterate over time. It wasn't that we got it right first time, but we don't have repeated mistakes. We don't have the same things happen. Um, and, and of course, you know, it's not just about documentation. You've then got to manage the people. You've got to, you know, if you've got a team member who is not following the guidance and, and repeating mistakes as a, as a result, then that's a performance conversation to have. But in general, uh, you know, um, you have to provide that as a starting point. But, you know, I think about, we've talked about mistakes a lot, um, but there are actually uh, opportunities here too using the same approach, right? So um, talk to us a little bit about some of the opportunities for uh, utilising a similar approach um, that, that isn't just on the negative, like stopping and preventing <laughs> mistakes from happening. Yeah, this is something that actually often uh, catches some of our our team members because we often talk about issue management we actually talk about going through the issues on our uh, daily calls um and it's not just about issues it is about opportunities to improve as well uh, in some ways often two sides of the same coin um there you could look at it as a um issue that something isn't happening or an opportunity to to put that in in place uh, a great example we've got a um customer we were helping to solve her onboarding for her uh, team so they could sell and in doing so it became there was an opportunity to improve the sales process so that her team was more aware of all the different products and services she offered so that they could upsell them and actually it worked incredibly well and they they are now better salespeople as a, as a result and that business owner actually can stop being involved in all the sales calls because she felt that she still needed to kind of dive in and become that high value uh, person and then realized it was this one thing missing. And so it, it came out as an opportunity to put this in. You could also look at it and say it was a mistake that it wasn't in there um, uh, to start with. But uh, it, it's essentially how you approach it and how many options you're looking at and so on. I think the thing I the, the best reason I've got for why we call it issue management uh, and no, nothing else is just because it's a hell of a mouthful to say uh, issues, ideas, concerns, and opportunities tracker. And we're going to do the issues, concerns, opportunities, and ideas uh, management every every time. But that, that's what it is. And it is uh, the opportunity. You often do start with the biggest issues because solving your biggest issues are often the uh, the easiest ways to they are the easiest opportunities to to jump on first because you can see um let's say it's that that sales call where people are dropping the balls and not not asking the right questions every time you already know how well it works when those balls are not dropped and you've done it yourself so it's a opportunity with a kind of almost a known reward it's like i can see exactly where we would be if um if we could just repeat it without making making uh, any mistakes and often when you when you're introducing this into a company for the first time or into a team for the first time there are plenty of high value mistakes which can be uh, avoided before even having to think kind of more open mindedly but 
yeah, in short, it can be uh, absolutely used for both. And over time, there'll be more and more chance for the opportunities. And it's also a great way of empowering the team to give them a way to uh, to share and um, build on on the foundations you start with. Yeah, no, nice. And it reminds me of um, uh, one of our clients, an accountancy firm, where uh, we started working with them uh, on and their highest priority area, as you mentioned, uh, was around client onboarding and how uh, their challenge was uh, there were lots of drop balls, there were mistakes being made, and as a result, like onboarding of a new client was a clunky, error-prone process that often sucked in the business leaders um, and derailed them. And to the point that they stopped taking on new clients because it was it was causing such a uh, such a barrier, and so to their credit, they paused taking on new clients whilst they worked with us to document their process end to end for client onboarding. <laughs> it was really interesting. Like I remember them saying, "Do we capture the processes as is, or how we'd like them to be?" And often, and we'll, I'm sure we'll cover this in a future episode, like often it's a mistake to kind of do either because 2B becomes too ethereal. You're not going to use it because several precursors like new systems or whatever in place, but as is bakes in mistakes and, and misses opportunities. And so often we do what we used to, back, um, what I used to, uh, what we used to call uh, as is plus back when I was a process consultant uh, uh, 20 years ago. Um and uh, which is essentially making improvements as you go along. And what was awesome is that with that accountancy client, we managed to help them improve their client onboarding process, not just removing the mistakes, but finding opportunities to make it a better experience that was more in line with their values and their unique selling proposition and, and all that kind of stuff that meant that. Um, I, uh, I was talking to a uh, another business leader who happened to become a client of that accountancy firm because uh, uh, they uh, were in the same kind of mastermind group. And um, they were telling me how amazing and smooth the onboarding <laughs> process had been. And I was like, oh, awesome. And this, and this person didn't even know that we've been working with the uh, with that accountancy firm. And it's just really nice. Like that's an example of where you go from drop balls and mistakes that mean that it's a bad experience for the client. It's a bad experience for the team. The business leaders are stressed. And you go up the other end to actually having a client onboarding experience that is remarkable in the sense of worthy of remark, um, which of course works as their marketing engine. Now they're you know, taking on new clients and so on. And if you need an accountant, that's fantastic. I highly recommend MBS accountants. Uh, and you, you can expect to find a really good client onboarding process. <laughs> so um, well, uh, and, uh, anything else to cover before we close it there, Paddy? No, oh, I think that's great. Fantastic. So in this uh, episode, we've been talking all about mistakes, how to avoid them happening again and again, and the stress that that causes for you as a leader, for the team, but also how much it holds the business back and the costs of that and the, uh, the opportunity cost of that as well. We've talked about how to improve uh, your organizational ability to prevent these mistakes in future by documenting processes, by testing them, by iterating, by adding that guidance, using meeting rhythm to pick up issues and, and doing issue management. And ultimately, why do all of this? Because what's the point in having a business that, that never changes and repeats the same mistakes over and over that sits in Groundhog Day? It's incredibly stressful. It's horrible experience. And so if you uh, want to change that, then uh, either uh, follow the guidance here and, and of course, feel free to reach out uh, to us and have a call with our team to talk about some of the things that we'd recommend you put in place to, to address that. But I think ultimately uh, making sure that you're documenting it, making sure you're testing it, having the meeting rhythm uh, has a huge, 
huge impact. Um, as Paddy mentioned earlier as well, uh, we go deeper on this on our uh, regular webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth. Uh, it's typically every Wednesday at 1 p.m. UK time. However, uh, I'm in the process of moving house. So as a result, uh, the, uh, I think we're having to skip one. Uh, but you can find out when the next one is and uh, find out more about what we cover and indeed register at www.airmanual.co forward slash webinar. And a final note for our podcast listeners. We, as a new podcast, we need your help. If you found the content today valuable, please just take one minute to leave a review. This will help the podcast get more visibility and help more people. And if you're consuming this on social media, please do post, like, comment, subscribe, get it out there to other people. We'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, ultimately, we just want to help more business leaders to uh, remove the stress on their business. So thank you in advance. Otherwise, until next time, have fun.